Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk podcast. On this episode, we are going to be continuing our discussion of Acts chapter 14. Edwin, what's our text today? I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 14 from verse 8 all the way through verse 18. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. So we, uh, excuse me, between yesterday and today we skipped a couple of verses, so let's just start here because I know this is important to you. How did we get... From Iconium to Lystra. Yes, they took a road. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I'm sure they took a road. I'm sure they did. I would say they walked, <laughs> but possibly they rode an animal. Um, I think probably, though, you're not talking about that. How, how did we get here? That's, that's not the question. <laughs> that's not the question. Um, you know, where we left off in the last episode, we were talking about how there was this opposition stirring up against them and their message. Even the phrase that the minds of people had been poisoned against the truth and poisoned against the gospel. And we were saying they didn't pack up. They didn't leave. And uh, for our... For our text talkers listening closely, they're, they're realizing, hey, Edwin just started in a new town. So what happened there? Um, actually, that opposition became quite violent. Uh, in uh, Acts 14, verse 4, said the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. Verse 5, and when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. A violent attempt, a plot to assassinate them, and that's what stoning was. We're not going to throw you in prison. We're going to mob you, and we're going to kill you. In a very uh, painful way. In a very painful way. In a very painful way. And so while there was absolutely the um, grit and the courage to contend for the faith, in that community. Uh, their job was to preach the gospel in other places. 
Well, sometimes it I wasn't think we, time for them to be martyred there. Sometimes I think we oversimplify things when we're talking about issues like persecution and so many other topics. We 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 know that we need to stand bold in the face of persecution. That doesn't mean when folks are pulling out the rocks and the knives and the daggers and the guns that we have to stand there and just receive it. Right. Now, granted, of course, notice that what Paul didn't do was pick up rocks and start throwing first. That's a good point. Or pick up rocks and start throwing back. What they did was, okay, it's time to get out of Dodge. They they moved on. They went to another town. And that gets us to Lystra. So even as you're saying that, something else occurred to me. We've been talking about on the front end of the apostles preaching, how he likes to start in the synagogue and give those uh, Jews, that Jewish community, the opportunity to receive their Messiah first. A lot of times that goes sour. He then turns to the Gentiles. But we also see a pattern about the way he ends his ministry in the city. (laughs) And that is so many times word comes to him about an assassination plot among city rulers. And they sneak him out of town or he runs out of town. And so, you know, I I don't know where you might draw the line, Edwin, to say, I think I've worn my welcome out here. (laughs) But for the Apostle Paul, it was basically, oh, if I stay, they're going to kill me. And sometimes the brethren still had to persuade him, well, let's put you in a basket and let you down a window. Or let's sneak you out of town past the the assassins who took a vow they wouldn't eat until you were dead. You know, we have episodes like this. So... Yeah, lots of patterns come up about the way he likes to work in town. So, so the next time a preacher friend of mine calls and says, hey, how do I know when it's time to make a change? <laughs> well, let's, let's look to Paul. You know, it really, it really does kind of put into perspective some of those you know, deep theological questions preachers have sometimes. Like, well, when am I not effective here anymore? Uh, I'm not sure the brethren are with me the way they used to be. Well, ask yourself this. Would the brethren... Put you in a basket, sneak you, sneak you down a window. The answer is yes, they're still with you. They're the ones picking up the stones. <laughs> okay, let's get back. Let's, All right, let's, 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 get... let's, let's talk about the good stuff. They go to another town, and it's miracle time, baby. And, and not just any miracle. And here's the thing that I want to make sure that we notice. We've, we've hit on this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. There is a huge shift in Acts moving from... Jews to Gentiles, from Jerusalem to the home base of Antioch, and specifically the personage that's focused on. We move from a a main focus on Peter Mm -hmm. to a main focus on Paul. But as Luke does that, he wants to make sure we understand that Paul is an apostle. Fully an apostle. Fully an apostle. There, earlier in Acts chapter 14, he uses the word apostle. Oh, that's right. Now, now, there's some questions some folks have about that because he's calling not only Paul an apostle, but Barnabas. And so that, that use of apostle there may be the generic of just those who were sent. And so maybe it's just the idea that these are as the ones. As opposed to defining the office. Defining the office of apostle, mm-hmm. as in the 12 plus Paul. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe a couple of others. but um, Like Barnabas? Possibly. <laughs> we, don't, we don't necessarily have to get into that discussion today. But uh, but here it may be that generic that it's just that they were yeah. once sent from Antioch. So that may not be referring to them as the office. But Luke, even though he never says, and now Paul became an apostle and we move on from there, he is showing every step of the way that Paul is following in the footsteps of Peter. I think to that, it is assumed the way Luke presents Paul, he is an apostle. He does everything you expect to see from an apostle. He's just presented that way. Yes, absolutely. And so we see this, and that's part of the rhetorical structure. Theophilus probably 
already recognized and respected Paul as an apostle. And so we see this rhetorical structure as Luke is showing, here's what Peter did, Mm -hmm. and now Paul is doing the exact same things. And so when Paul goes to the Gentiles, Mm -hmm. we don't get upset. We don't get shocked. We don't say, how dare he? We understand that as an apostle, which he will be called in his letter to the Romans, he calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. Yeah. Second Corinthians gives a defense of apostleship. Yeah, we, we find that in several places. I want us to see here. We saw in Acts chapter 13 how similar his sermon was to Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. They even quote some of the same passages as they're making some of the same points about David being dead and buried and Jesus being resurrected. Right. There there was kind of that, that norm of preaching that they had there. Now we see in the next account a similar miracle in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John come across a fellow lame from birth. Right. He sticks out his palm and he asks for an alm. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I always tell it like that because that's the song I learned as a kid. (laughs) I was going to say, that's fantastic, man. The way that rhymes. (laughs) I, I learned that as a song as a kid. But now we have a very similar story, except, of course, not in the temple environs, not in Jerusalem, but out among the Gentiles. As Paul is preaching, he sees a fella, and he can he's looking at him, and he says, right. there's a guy that has faith to be healed. I, 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 wish, I wish there was a little more explanation here of what, what look was on the face of the, the lame man so that Paul knew there's a guy that has the faith, but that's what Paul was able to ascertain. Yeah, and I find myself kind of wishing, where where is this sermon happening at? You know, it says in verse 7 that they were preaching the gospel there in these, these new communities. And I guess we might assume that we've gone back to, uh, you know, synagogue preaching. Um well, it seems to me that what's happened as Luke is telling the story, he's not telling us everything. But I'm going to tell you what, what as you, even as you read, the response, that's a straight up Gentile that's response. That's a Gentile response. I mean, this is a Gentile crowd all the way so as Luke invoking is, the name of their gods, yeah, Zeus as, and Hermes. As Luke is telling the story, it seems like when he got to Lystra, <clears throat> he skipped the part about, now here's what happened among the Jews. He just He just jumped directly to, let me tell you what happened there. Here's what happened. Paul heals this guy. And they start worshiping him. Yeah. So we've got some similarities in Acts chapter 3. The man starts walking and leaping and praising God and runs into the temple. And everybody is amazed and in awe. And Peter now has to give a defense. Mm -hmm. And his defense is, why do you think we did this from our ability? It's not from us. It's from Jesus. Right. We're going to see... a similar defense, and I don't mm-hmm. want to get too far because tomorrow this is what I really want us to focus on. Ooh, tune in. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> cliffhanger. Yeah. Except for I'm going to keep talking for a moment. And <laughs> so uh, they have to give a defense, but now their defense is attuned, as you pointed out, to a Gentile response. So we have some very similar things. We've got some parallels happening, but then, of course, there are the distinctions. And so here's why it's important to recognize that. These are real events. Luke right. isn't making something up that he's now taking that what happened to Peter and attributing it to Paul. Okay. We're just learning that in similar that similar events happened because Paul and Peter had similar missions, similar jobs, similar roles, and so they taught the same things and people responded and often the same ways and they performed the same miracles because both are apostles of the Lord and God is with them. We're going to see these parallels as we keep going, and I just want to make sure we keep our eyes open to these parallels between Paul and Peter. Well, listen, I think that's really helpful, and and that's a a good... 
uh, I guess, structural note to, to keep our eyes open for those things and be making those connections. One gospel, and these are the messengers, these are apostles who were carrying it. Uh, the fellow, it says, uh, that was healed by Paul, he leaped and he walked. And so you have this complete healing, mm-hmm. right? The power of God again at work, as we began to talk about yesterday, or maybe even earlier in this broadcast, emphasizing the importance of of the confirmation of this is God's message. These are God's people. And yet it would seem, and we'll call this a tease for tomorrow's episode, and yet it would seem that a major part of this message seems to be uh, either passing over the heads of the audience or not quite getting through because instead of them realizing, oh, their God is the unique and true God, let us leave our idolatrous ways, they say, the gods have come among us. Yeah, yeah. You know, teaching has to take place. Paul Paul is preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ in the flesh, his death, burial, his resurrection, God became man. And yet they come along, this Gentile audience, and say, Zeus and Hermes are here, the gods have become men. Uh, and not to go necessarily too down far down the path of you know all the Greek mythology, oh, well. but I mean the the goofy Greek gods they did all kinds of stuff and they did come in all kinds of forms and sometimes they did some pretty sneaky things in those forms, <laughs> uh, and so it was a good day I guess from their perspective to think uh, well the gods have come and they've blessed us they've done great things the gods are good. Um, And it's an opportunity for Paul and for Barnabas to make it clear there's one true and living God who restores bodies, but who saves souls through the one God, Jesus Christ. And we're going to drill down on that in tomorrow's episode some more. Yeah, so we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let us know what you're learning, what uh, questions you might have. Let's wrap up with a prayer. God in heaven, thank you so much. You are the one true living God. There is no Zeus, there is no Hermes, but there is you. There is you in Father, Son, and Spirit, and we are in awe of you, and we pray that you would watch over us, that you would guide us, that your word would fill our hearts and our minds, that we could continue to talk about the text every day. Thank you for everyone who's listening and chiming in and learning. May we continue to learn how to bring glory and honor to your magnificent and holy name. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. 